Welcome to the Care to Change podcast. We are grateful to have you join us. Thank you for being a part of this conversation as we hope to offer you practical solutions for positive change. Hello, everyone. This is April Bordeaux. As always, thank you for choosing to spend this time with us. We are in the middle of a podcast series this month that we're entitling Self-Compassion. And we have defined self-compassion in a similar way that Google actually defines self-compassion. So I'm going to just begin by giving you a uh, definition, and then I'll introduce our our guest and today's topic. Self-compassion is extending compassion to oneself in instances of perceived inadequacy, failure, or general suffering. And this includes being kind with ourselves, understanding our humanity, and being mindful with our situations. And so that is the way we are defining self-compassion during this series. So far, we uh, kicked off the series with Christy Easley, who talked with us about singleness and how to sort of combat Um, conversations and self-doubt that we might have during uh, single seasons. And then we had Tracy Typen join us who shared with us how to quiet the inner critic, especially as it relates to body image. And today we are talking with Jesse Larimer, one of our therapists, who is going to talk with us about a little bit of a different topic. We talk about adoption, and we see a lot of adoptive families, a lot of adoptive children at Care to Change um, using TBRI and TheraPlay and lots of different kinds of methods that have been proven to be effective. But this conversation today isn't about the adoptive child. This is about the adoptive parent. And a lot of times, how adoption doesn't turn out the way we had envisioned. And so there's a lot of self-doubt, a lot of challenges involved with the adoption process. And we find that adoptive parents um, need desperately um, not just connection, but encouragement, especially around the area of self-compassion. So Jesse, thank you for being willing to talk about this important and very difficult topic today. I'm glad that you're here. Thanks for inviting me. Um, This is a topic that's very dear to my heart, both as a therapist, but also as an adoptive parent. And I just got to say, I loved the definition that you just shared about self-compassion. Could you just share the beginning part of that again? Uh, Sure. Um, Extending compassion to oneself in instances of perceived inadequacy, failure, or general suffering. Wow. I mean, that just really hits the target, I think, for a lot of what adoptive parents feel, especially in the tough moments. So let's talk at the beginning about lots of reasons for adoptions, because I think sometimes what I'm hearing as a theme um, started with Christy was this set of expectations is often what leads us to self-doubt, criticism, whether it's external or internal, and 
And so we can kind of set this up with maybe the reason why people adopt. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of reasons that people choose to adopt. Um, for some people, um, they have um, a passion for caring for another child, um, providing a home for a child that otherwise might not have a, a solid home. Um, some people struggle with infertility, um, and that leads them down the journey to adoption. Um, but really, we know that parents going into adoption want to provide their child the love and the protection, structure, opportunities that they need. They want their child to grow up to be a healthy, loving, independent, well-functioning adult. Um, and we all know going into adoption that there are some potential challenges, but I think every parent goes into it with dreams of a happy, loving family. Yeah. I mean, anyone who chooses to be a parent, right, isn't mm -hmm. choosing that because they want to walk into fire, you know? Right. <laughs> oh, mm -hmm. let's go jump into fire. Um, let's go find out about trauma. Let's go learn about what behaviors manifest because of um, the adoption process and all the grief and loss and trauma that's often involved in that. So, um, yes, um, you know, any parent that chooses to be a parent probably has some idea of having this happy, loving family. And so yes, talk about what happens. Right. Um, I think no matter what the adoption looks like, there's trauma. Mm -hmm. um, many adoptive parents think, well, you know, my if I get my child as an infant, mm -hmm. um, they won't even know. There won't be any impact. There is impact. And um, studies have shown that um, even when a child is adopted from birth, there is a trauma impact. And that affects brain development. So um, we're not going to get into all of the details of brain development today. But... When we see trauma, typically we see a child who's highly dysregulated, impulsive. Um, with some children who are adopted, there's reactive attachment disorder. And so the child is really actively resisting attachment. But no matter what, there are often a lot of strong emotions, um, can look like defiance, difficult behaviors. And those things can make it hard to feel love towards the child, which causes more guilt and shame for the parents in feeling like they're not feeling what they should feel toward the child. Um, it must be their fault that the child has these behaviors. They must be doing something wrong. Yeah. I, it seems to me in the experience that I have working with adoptive parents. So tell me if this is your experience too, both professionally and personally, but um, there's, there is this expectation that um, there's going to be a loving, happy home. Right. And there's this idea that we can love them through the trauma or we can mm -hmm. pray them through the trauma, which both are necessary 
and the trauma is still present and it manifests itself itself in different ways at different developmental stages. And that manifestation is not connected with the level of love or structure or prayer or the lack of. And so sometimes this is with biological parents as well. When we see behaviors that we didn't expect that Mm -hmm. we ask ourselves, what did we do wrong? You know, am I not enough as a parent? Do I not love them enough? Am I not spending enough time with them? Is the structure that I'm providing inadequate? Did I give them, Mm -hmm. I coddle them too much? Did I not challenge them enough? Am I challenging them too much? Am I overconnected? Am I not as connected? Um, All of the questions that as parents, we we tend to ask ourselves anyway, seem to be multiplied or um, magnified in the adoptive process because there was even more hope for this connection and this attachment that would potentially mediate some of the behavior that we hear about, right? Not in my home. Right. Um, right. And even as, and I don't know how many parents have, probably every parent, I don't want to say every parent but <laughs> has said, when I'm a parent, I won't ever da 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 da. Right. right. In my home, this is the way it's going to be. And then reality comes. Like, okay, right. this is turning out exactly the way I thought it was going to be. Right. And so. Right. And um, as parents, we can really have that need for our identity as a parent to be affirmed through our child's behavior. So when we um, when we're feeling really insecure in that, mm-hmm. um, the need for our child to behave well is magnified. Yes. So for an adoptive parent that may already feel a lot of guilt and shame, um, their own sense of identity is also being impacted mm-hmm. through what's happening in the relationship. I want to just sit in that for a second, uh, because that is such a profound statement for all parents. Mm-hmm. There is a there is danger in finding our identity in our children. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. sit there for a moment, because <laughs> that leads to all kinds of different behavior on the parents' part, right? Um, for sure. Um, that is a that's a, we could just, okay. So walk us through what is helpful. Give us some tips on what is helpful for parents who are in this place. Right. You know, the first thing I would say to parents is really understand, take time to figure out what's happening in, um, the brain of your child, understand the influence of brain trauma this doesn't mean you have to be a neuroscientist, but if you understand this behavior is a result of trauma on the brain, Mm -hmm. it makes it about what's happening in the brain and the brain wiring and not about the child Mm -hmm. or the relationship you have with them. It's also not your fault. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't mean that you don't deal with the behavior, but it makes it much less personal. 
Mm-hmm. and um, gives you a, a much healthier perspective on how to handle some of that difficult behavior. It's good. Yeah. Um, I would also say it's really important to validate that your parenting experience is hard and that your parenting experience is different. Mm-hmm. So you might hear, you know, oh, you know, the twos are just tough or, um, you know, that transition to kindergarten, just hard for all kids. Mm-hmm. Or you might hear um, those teenage years, you know, boy, we struggled then. And it's true. Um, there are a lot of challenges parenting for anyone, but when you are dealing with a child with trauma um, it is a different experience mm-hmm. and validating and each other, too. other people. Mm, yes. If you're adoptive mm-hmm. parents, they say, you know, they're on all of these adoptive parent support groups and they still feel so isolated because, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, well, my experience is different than theirs. And this is all right. they're telling me has helped them. Well, it's not helping my child. And so even in that the hard and different isn't just because you're an adoptive parent, but because you have a unique and different child, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think that leads into another point. I would really encourage you to find your tribe. Um, It is easy, as you're saying, even among an adoption support group to feel misunderstood, to feel judged. And I would say maybe even more so within the Christian community, Mm. many difficult trauma issues look like moral issues, Mm. Um, difficult reactions when a child is asked to do something. Um, It's easy to feel judgment from others about our child or about our parenting. Um, And a common response to this is to isolate. Mm. and say, well, I just, these people don't understand me. So I'm just not going to open myself up anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really want to encourage if you're listening to this today, and this is you, that you need a community, you need people that understand you and your situation. And what that might require of you is educating people around you. Mm. Um, inviting people to read books so that they understand what you're dealing with so that they understand the behaviors that they're seeing in your child. Mm -hmm. Um, Invite them to read articles, to listen to podcasts, let them know how different things have made you feel and invite them to give the kind of response that you need. Yes. So good. That's so good. Connection is key. How would you say to find that connection? I know mm-hmm. a lot of times parents will say, I can't even go to church because my child right. can't go to the kids' programming. And so they completely isolate partly because of the, the child's behavior. So where do parents find? What are some places they can find that connection? Right. Yes, that's a great question. Um Foster the Family has a wonderful support group for foster parents and um, adoptive parents. And a lot of churches do as well. 
Um, actually, Care to Change has offered a couple of groups from time to time. So reach out to us and see if we have anything going on for adoptive parents. Um, there are several online groups. So even if it's um, something more specific to your child, like fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, um, keep pursuing the resources that you need. Um, I would also say um, if you're struggling with that, um, reach out to some of the leaders of, for example, Foster the Family. What do you have in my area? Who's someone that you could put me in touch with? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, keep pursuing that support that you need. What else? Yeah. Um, another thing that I have found really important is to embrace good enough parenting, <laughs> which sounds silly. But um, what I find, what I have found for myself and what I see in a lot of other parents is that we demand perfection of ourselves as parents. What actually happens with that is that it inhibits attachment. So when we expect perfection, we feel shame because of all the ways things aren't perfect for us, for our child. And any difficult behavior of our child is a reflection of how imperfect we are. Um, And that really doesn't motivate us to connect with our child. So good enough parenting accepts that we're human. Mm. And as we're thinking about self-compassion, It allows us to have those difficult feelings, even towards our child, and to recognize, okay, it's normal. It's it's normal that we're human, that we need this care and compassion as well. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I love from um, the book Try Softer by Andi Kobler is um, she talks about um, the idea that we don't need to be perfect parents, but we do need to repair. Mm -hmm. So we make mistakes and then we go back and we say, you know what? I'm sorry. I lost it. Um, That was wrong. Will you forgive me? And that repair really strengthens that relationship. Mm -hmm. And it allows for um, a strong attachment with our child. That's really good. Yeah. Um, I would also encourage you to pay attention to your own emotional regulation. So we frequently as adoptive parents talk with our kids about upstairs brain and downstairs brain. So the upstairs brain is when we're calm, we're thinking logically, we can connect. The downstairs brain, we're losing it and we're reacting um, and we really can't make a good decision in that moment. So we need to learn to pay attention as parents to our own bodies, our own reactions, and to develop an awareness of when we are escalating, and then find ways to help us calm and um, soothe, soothing habits for ourselves. It might be music, it might be drawing, it might be journaling, it might be running, Um, But allowing ourselves to take a time out is part of that self-compassion piece for us, Mm -hmm. because we do have our 
own emotions. And when our child is being difficult, it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And we can take a time out and take care of ourselves in that moment. That's good. Um, and I'll just share an example of that um, from my own life. I remember when um, my son was in elementary school, I would pick him up from school, and every single day there would be yelling and screaming and arguing and tears. And we had about a three minute drive from school to our house. (laughs) And um, I realized this pattern was happening. We would just both be out of control by the time we got home. And um, I realized, you know, he's so worked up by the time I pick him up. He's had to keep it together all day. So I'm going to make sure I'm in a good place before I go pick him up. And then I'm just going to remove myself emotionally from what's happening. I'll respond, but I'm going to remember this is not about me. Mm -hmm. And it's probably not actually how he's feeling. So I'll just let it all ride over me. And, um, And that really made a difference for me being able to manage that after school crazy time. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah there's something about preparing ourselves for the pickup process yes (laughs) is the pickup process yes for sure yeah um I think another thing that's really important for us is to pay attention to where we notice shame creeping in Mm. to our lives Um, whether it's about ourselves as parents or whether it's about something that our child is doing or not doing. Mm. And one thing that I would really encourage is just to vigorously cut out comparisons. So good. So there really are legitimate brain differences that are happening in kids who have experienced trauma. Um. And that's going to impact how your child perceives, interprets, responds to the world around them. And they're going to react differently than most of the children around them. Mm -hmm. And um, that is just a result of the brain trauma. And so there's, when we compare with other children, when we compare a child with other children, we really set ourselves up for shame coming in, whether it's about our child or whether it's about ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And within that, pay attention to your self-talk. This is something we think about a lot in the world of therapy, but ask yourself, am I my own worst critic? And Mm -hmm. pay attention to the internal dialogue that's happening. And learn to be curious about your thoughts, your emotions. And this is really where you can step in with self-compassion, reminding ourselves that we matter, our own emotions matter, And as Christians, one perspective that I have about this is that self-compassion is really allowing ourselves to accept God's compassion and grace towards ourselves. Um, God loves us. 
He is kind towards us. And so often we're just listening to that critical voice. Yeah. Yes. I so love um, allow yeah. is, is really just accepting the compassion that God has for us. That's good. Mm. So good. Um, and you mentioned before April, the expectations that we have um, about parenting, about family, about your adopted child. And that's a great thing just to take a little time and think about, are these expectations reasonable? And sometimes we do need to change our expectations. So maybe instead of um, I'm disappointed and discouraged about where my child is at. And because I feel bad, there must be something wrong with me that I'm feeling this way. Um, Instead of that, we might say parenting a child with trauma background is full of challenges being honest with the right people about how hard that is, is healthy and necessary. And taking care of myself is vital. Mm-hmm. So kind of changing that expectation about what it means can make a difference for us. Good. That's good. Um, I think another thing we need to do is make room for grief. Yes. Um, it's not pleasant to feel grief, but it can be really important to name it. Otherwise, it just is kind of floating around under the surface. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, one thing that I have grieved is that every family vacation that we've taken has been chaotic and difficult and full of conflict. And it's not what I had hoped for. Mm-hmm. So um, I realized that's something I can grieve. I really wished it would have been different. Mm. But there are also moments that are beautiful. So sometimes naming that grief also allows us to accept the good and the bad together, the good and the hard. Mm. Um, Maybe you grieve for other children in your family who are affected by the difficult behaviors of a challenging sibling. Um, maybe you grieve for your child and the loss that they've experienced, their difficulty making friends, challenges with school, with bio family, um, fears for their future. Maybe your life, your career has been impacted and you grieve what you wanted for yourself or that your future looks different than you expected. Um, maybe your child is grown up, maybe they're in jail or estranged from you and they're in a place that you never dreamt they would be. Mm-hmm. And those are all things that we need to grieve from the little things to the big things. So the end process of that really can be an acceptance of where we're at and greater strength and enrichment in our lives once we are able to name and process and accept that grief. It's it's an it's interesting that you're using that term acceptance because that's another theme um, that I'm mm. seeing about self-compassion is accepting the space that we are in in this moment. Um, there's something mm-hmm. about saying this is where I am 
And instead of fighting it or trying to change it or comparing it to say, okay, this is where I am, not acceptance as in fawning and just doing nothing, but accepting that, okay, this is part Mm -hmm. of it. It is hard. And yes, there is grief and yes, expectations aren't met and it's still where we are. So that's a, Mm-hmm. Sounds easy, mm-hmm. so difficult. So it's, <laughs> it's like dead stop in our tracks, kind of thing. Right, right. Mm. Yeah. So, what are some ways so that um, in this process, it's just a, it's just there's so much to this. How do you take care of yourself? How do you practice this self care or self compassion? Right. Yeah, I mean, there's some really practical ways, um, paying attention to your physical needs. Sometimes we push and push and push um, because of all the needs of people around us. And we don't pay attention to our need for sleep, Mm -hmm. for exercise, for eating well. And, um, you know, our bodies, we are physical bodies with physical needs. And if we don't take care of ourselves, we're going to feel that impact physically and emotionally over time. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I think is really important is to feed the positive in our lives. So there's a lot of different ways we can do that. Um, There have been a lot of studies recently about gratitude and the effects of gratitude. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think as we accept things like grief in our life, in the middle of those, we can find gratitude. Um, and I think accepting the hard and making space for the good is really important. Um, also fun. What's something that makes you laugh that you enjoy? Um, recently I've taken up pickleball and, you know, it's just a chance to get out there move around, have fun. It's not all about deep meaning, but, um, finding those things that are fun looking for humor, even silliness, especially when we have um, younger children, even teens. Um, Just being silly together is something that can be um, so valuable and a way to find that positive in the moment to moment. I think um, it's important to maintain your individuality and your sense of self. I think especially mothers can struggle with this as we care for our children. We're wrapped up in the needs of our family and it can be hard at different stages to do this, but apart from being a parent, who are you? Mm. What do you value? What is life giving for you? Mm -hmm. And find a way to maintain that sense of self. And um, what I encourage people is, even if it's not something you can do every day, do a little piece of this. So if it's, you know, once every three months, I go out with my friends and we meet up faithfully and paint together or, you know, whatever it might be, find a way to have that space in your life. Nice. I think um, some people really need respite. Um, depending on the needs of your family, you, it might be a more significant type of respite with someone who's trained. 
Um, it might be getting a babysitter or grandparents, but getting away sometimes is really important. And there are um, also retreats that are available for adoptive parents to get away, to be refreshed. So I would encourage you to consider that. Um, spirituality for me is a big piece. Um, and I think praying about anything you worry about is a great way to deal with some of the hard things in life. Um, being connected to other people who are going to encourage you. As we think about grief, there's so much in the Bible about suffering and how we walk through suffering. And I think that can be um, a really significant encouragement for us. Um, and I would also say sometimes we need counseling. Yeah. Um, how do we know if we're in that place? I think when we're struggling with daily life, with making decisions, um, when we notice ourselves feeling really negative about every part of our lives, um, when there's some significant depression or discouragement, those might be times where we say, okay, it's time to reach out and get some help with where I'm at. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I love that because even in the midst of all of this, sometimes we just need a safe space to be able to go to. That's sort of like the vault and um, right. speak the things that we would never say to other parents, maybe yeah. to ourselves, definitely never to our children and then be able to walk away and know that there's no shame. It all stayed in the room. And um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Are there specific Books. I know that you mentioned um, respite. I've heard of this place. Uh, my, uh, I have a, a friend who goes to it. Uh, it's called a Mother's Rest, and it's in another. Yeah. State, but um, it's such a great um, nonprofit that provides respite for mothers um, that need mm -hmm. to just, right? like you said. Are there specific books that you would recommend? Right. I think in terms of understanding um, some of those brain issues, um, I would recommend The Connected Child um, by Purvis for Teens um, Beneath the Mask by Riley and Meeks. But in terms of parenting and um, finding some encouragement and understanding as a parent, um, I would recommend Battle Weary Parents by Pam Parrish, um, as well as Confessions of an Adoptive Parent by Mike Berry. Okay. Those are some places that um, those, those last two books are written by parents who have walked through adoption and a, a lot of challenges. And um, everyone's story is unique, but they really speak to a lot of those general challenges of um, the emotions, the weariness that can go along with some of the difficult behaviors we frequently encounter in adoption. Fantastic. Um, well, as always, thank you. This is um, full of information. I know I'll be sharing this um, with um, several of the adoptive parents that I see, as well as friends of mine who are adoptive parents. Um, I appreciate your 
being willing to come and to share um, even more than a lot of My parents pleasure. openly. And so you're so <laughs> um, thank you so much. Um, we do continue our conversation on self-compassion next week. We're going to be closing out this series um, talking about self-compassion as it relates to recovering from sexual abuse. And so, wow, every week um, this has been full of um, difficult, but in very important uh, topics. And I love the, the idea that actually came from our listeners um, that we would do a series. Um, well, not a series on this, but the different topics here. So um, thank you, Jesse, for joining us. Um, for those of you who are listening, as always, if you're struggling, we are here for you. Um, we're offering you practical solutions for positive change, and we look forward to continue our conversation conversation next week. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of the Care to Change podcast, where we offer you practical solutions for positive change. Check out the show notes below to see resources mentioned in today's episode. You can follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube to hear more about our conversation topics. If you have any questions from this episode or would like to hear more, please reach out to us on our care line at 317-979-7133 or email us at help at caretochange.org. We hope you found this episode helpful and invite you to join us for more of our podcast conversations.